This is GR number 174938, October 1, 2014. It's a case between Gerardo Lanuza Jr. and Antonio All, all Best Petitioners. Uh, again, Gerardo Lanuza Jr. and Antonio All Best Petitioners versus B, uh, versus BF Corporation Shangri-La Properties Incorporated. Alfredo C. Ramos, Rofo B. Colaico, Maximo G. Licauco III, and Benjamin C. Ramos respondents. This is a case decided by the ponente is Leon and Jane. Corporate res- representatives may be compelled to submit to arbitration proceedings pursuant to contract entered by the corporation they represent if there are allegations of bad faith or malice in their acts representing the corporation. Again, this is, I think, uh, the the doctrine of the case and its place here at the beginning. Again, it says corporate respond re- representatives may be compelled to submit to arbitration proceedings pursuant to the contract entered into by the corporation they represent if there are allegations of bad faith, malice in their acts representing the corporations. So the precedent uh, requirement here is that they, if there are allegations of bad faith or malice in their acts representing the corporation. So they might be compelled to submit to arbitration pursuant to the contract entered into by the corporation. This Rule 45 com- uh, petition assailing the Court of Appeals May 11, 2006 decision and October 5, 2006 resolution, the Court of Appeals affirmed the trial court's decision holding that the petitioners as directors should submit themselves as parties to the arbitration proceedings between now the two parties here it's BF Corporation and uh, Shangri-La Properties no? BF Corporation and Shangri-La Properties Incorporated or Shangri-La in 1993 BF Corporation filed a collection complaint with the regional trial court so it is that BF Cor- Corporation is the plaintiff here he was the, the one who filed a, a collection complaint with the regional trial court against Shangri-La. So it all started with them. And uh, the defendant here is Shangri-La. Shangri-La. And uh, the members of the board of directors, Alfredo C. Ramos, Rofo uh, B. Colaico, Antonio O. Olbes, Gerardo Lanoza Jr., and uh, Maximo G. Liaco and Benjamin C. Ramos, which are the which are the uh, I think Antonio and Lanuza are the petitioners. No, so basically it all started with a suit of BF Corporation filed against the complaint at the RTC. Uh, it's a collection complaint. So BF Corporation alleged in its complaint that on December 11, 1989, and May 30, 1991, it entered into agreements with Shangri-La, wherein it undertook to construct for Shangri-La a mall. So Leisho na ay mall. A multi-level parking structure along EDSA. So that is actually their uh, their agreement. Now that they are going to create a mall, uh, it's a multi-level parking structure along EDSA. So Shangri-La, which is the the defendant here, uh, had consistently uh, had been consistent in paying BF Corporation in accordance with its progress billing statements. However, in October 1991, Shangri-La started defaulting in payments. Wala na nibayad ang Shangri-La. BF Corporation alleged that Shangri-La induced BF Corporation to con- continue with the instruction, uh, construction of the building. So, padayon lang yapon mo o construct using its own funds and credit despite Shangri-La's default. 
So according to the BF Corporation, Shangri-La misrepresented that it had funds to pay for its obligation with BF Corporation and the delay in payment was simply a matter of delayed processing of the BF Corporation's process billing statements. So BF Corpora- Corporation eventually completed the construction of the buildings na human good ni BF Corporation. Shangri-La allegedly took possession of the buildings while still owing BF Corporation an outstanding balance. So BF Corporation alleged that despite the written demands, no, so this is now the the allegation of the plaintiff, BF Corporation alleged that despite remitted demands, Shangri-La refused to pay the balance owed to it. It also alleged that Shangri-La's directors were in bad faith in directing Shangri-La's affairs. Therefore, they should be held jointly and severally liable with Shangri-La for its obligations as well as the damages that BF Corporation incurred as a result of Shangri-La's default. On August 3, 1993, Shangri-La, Alfredo C. Ramos, Rofo B. Colaico, and Maximo Licauco, and Benjamin C. Ramos filed a motion to suspend the proceedings in view of the BF Corporation's failure to commit its uh, dispute to arbitration. So, ni-counters ang Shangri-La on August 3, 1993. So, the defendant here is Shangri-La. And uh, through Alfredo C. Ramos, Rofo Bicolaico, Maximo Licaco, and Benjamin, Benjamin Ramos, they filed a motion to suspend the proceedings in view of BF Corporation's failure to submit its dispute to arbitration. In accordance with the arbitration clause provided in the contract quoted as motion in the motion as follows. No, section 35 or 35 arbitration. Provided always that in case any dispute or difference shall arise between the owner and the project owner in behalf of the contractor, either during the process or after the completion or abandonment of works as to the construction of the contract, as to any other matter of thing or whatsoever nature arising there under or in connection therewith, including any matter of thing left by this contract to the discretion of the project manager or withholding the project man- manager or any certificate of to which the contractor may claim be entitled or the measurement and evaluation mentioned in Clause 35A of these conditions or the rights and liabilities of parties under clauses 25, 26, 32, 33 of these conditions, the owner and contractor hereby agree to exert all efforts to settle their differences or dispute amicably. Amicably, Failing these efforts, then such a dispute or difference shall be referred to arbitration in accordance with the rules and procedures of the Philippine Arbitration Law. So number six, no, still part of the arbitration clause of the contract. It states here, the award of such arbitrators shall be final and binding in the, par- in the parties. The decision of the arbitrator shall be in condition precedent to any right of legal action that either party may have against each other, underscoring and original. In August 19, 1993, BF Corporation opposed the motion to suspend proceedings. In November 18, 1993, an o- the order ordered the regional trial court to deny uh, the regional trial trial court denied the motion to suspend proceedings so in december 8 1993 petitioners filed an answer to bf corporation's complaint with compulsory counterclaim against bf corporation and cross claim against shangri-la so in december 8 1993 the petitioners here which includes Gerardo Lanoza and Antonio O. Olbes, they actually filed no, they, they filed an answer to BF Corporation's com- complaint with compulsory counterclaim against BF Corporation and a cross-claim against Shangri-La. So, implied ang Shangri-La. And they alleged that they had resigned as members of Shangri-La's board of directors as of July 15, 1991. So, 
This is what they alleged no, in the part of the petitioner. After the regional trial court denied February on February 11, 1984, the motion for reconsideration of its November 18, 1993 over Shangri-La, Alfredo C. Ramos, Rofo B. Colaico, and Maximo G. Lokaiko and Benjamin Ramos filed a petition of certiorari with the Court of Appeals. So these are the, the directors no, of Shangri-La. On April 28, 1985, the CA granted the petition for certiorari and ordered the submission of the dispute no, granted the petition by certiorari and uh, ordered the dispute to arbitration. So if you look at it, um, they all started there at the... Okay, let's look at the decision of the RTC or the lower courts. No, So there is a discussion here of the arbitration. No, And then in August 19, 1993, BF Corporation opposed the motion to suspend proceedings the RTC denied the motion to suspend the proceedings because they wanted it to continue. No, uh, On December 8, petitioners filed an answer to BF Corporation complaint with counterclaim against Shangri-La. They alleged they have resigned as board directors and uh, the RTC denied it on February 11. So they denied it in February 11, 1984, the motion of reconsideration of its November 18, 1993 order. Okay. Um, so they proceed. So R actually RTC uh, did not grant the motion for submit uh, submission to arbitration. So for them, no arbitration. But the CA reversed this. So the CA reversed this. So aggrieved by the uh, the Court of Appeals granted the petition for certiorari and ordered the submission to arbitration. So arbitration ang sa CA. Aggrieved by the Court of Court of the Appeals, a Court of Appeals decision, the BF Corporation filed a petition for review or on certiorari with this court. So. Um, let's try to review. Ha? It is the BF Corporation, which is the cons construction uh, company here, uh, or the contractor here that is uh, that has a contract with Shangri-La. Uh, they wanted to, they have a claim, no? And then Shangri-La wanted to say that, you know, let's go to arbitration first. But BF said, uh, okay, so the the. Uh, according to BF Corporation, despite repeated demands, Shangri-La refused to pay the balance. So it should allege that it should they should be severally liable. No. So in on the part on August 3, 1993, Shangri-La, Alfredo Ramos, and they wanted to suspend the proceedings in view of BF uh, failure to commit its dispute to arbitration. So they their contention is that they wanted BF Corporation to go to arbitration first because that is what is stipulated in their contract. They cited 35 uh, par paragraph 1 and paragraph 6. Okay, but BF Corporation uh, opposed. But there's no stated reason here. How, what is their contention as to why they opposed? But they wanted it to be ruled by the court because they just wanted really to file a complaint, com uh, collection complaint. So, agreed by the Court of Appeals decision, the BF Corporation, you know, because they are the ones who really wanted it to be 
uh, because the Court of Appeals already decided in in favor of the Shangri-La. No, uh, we have to. You have to go to arbitration first. They felt aggrieved, and um, BF Corporation filed a petition for review of certiorari in the Supreme Court on March 27, 1998. This court affirmed the court. Ap- the, this court affirmed the Court of Appeals decision directing that the, the dispute be submitted to arbitration. Another issue arose after BF Corporation initiated the arbitration proceedings. BF Corporation and Shangri-La failed to agree as, as to the law that should govern the arbitration proceedings. On December 1998, the trial court issued the order directing the parties to conduct the proceedings in accordance to Republic Act 876. Shangri-La filed an omnibus motion and BF Corporation an urgent motion of clarification, both seeking to clarify the term parties and whether Shangri-La's director should be included in the arbitration proceedings and serve with separate demands of arbitration. So petitioners filed their complaint. Now they filed their complaint and uh, the again, they filed their comments. So who are the petitioners here? It is Lanuza, Lanuza and Antonio Olbes. So uh, the contention here is: Would there be uh, the, who were the interested parties who must also be served with the demand of arbitration, to give them the opportunity to ventilate their side of the controversy, to safeguard their interests and fend off their respective positions? Petitioners' motion for reconsideration of this order was denied by the trial court on January 19, 2005. Again, uh, the petitioners Lanoza filed their comment on Shangri-La's BF Corporation's motion, praying that they are they be excluded from the arbitration proceedings for being non-party. So, because they uh, they think that they are not already uh, included, no. So, yes, uh, remember that Shangri-La filed an omnibus motion and BF. Corporation an urgent motion for clarification, both seeking to clarify the term parties and whether Shangri-La directors should be included in the arbitration proceedings and serve as separate demands for arbitration. So the petitioners here, Lanoza and uh, the two of them, uh, Olbes, Lanoza and Olbes, would like to contend that they are not parties of interest and must also be served with demand no? uh, to give them the opportunity to ventilate their side of controversy to safeguard their interests and fend their respective positions. Petitioner's motion for reconsideration of this order was denied by the trial court on January 19. So, but it was denied. No, petitioners filed a petition for certiorari with the CA, alleging grave abuse of discretion in the issuance of orders compelling them to submit in uh, to arbitration despite being third parties to the contract between Shangri-La and BF Corporation. In its May 11, 2006 decision, the Court of Appeals dismissed petition for certiorari. The Court of Appeals ruled that the Shangri-La's directors were necessary parties in the arbitration proceedings. According to the Court of Appeals, they deemed not third parties to the contract as they sued their acts in representation of the party to the contract pursuant to Article 31 of the Corporation Code. And that as directors of the defendant corporation in accordance with Article 1217 of the Civil Code stand to be benefited or injured by the result of the arbitration proceedings, Hence, being necessary parties, they must be joined in order to have complete adjudication of the controversy. Consequently, if excluded as parties in the arbitration proceedings and on the arbitral award is rendered, 
holding that Shangri-La and its board director jointly and solidarily liable to private respondent BM Corporation, a problem will arise. Whether petitioners will be bound by such arbitral award and this will prevent complete determination of the issues and resolution of the controversy. The Court of Appeals ruled that excluding petitioners in the arbitration proceedings will be contrary to the policy against multiplicity of suits. So this is the decision of the CA regarding the uh, regarding Lanosa and Obisos uh, all best uh, contention nga uh, wala lagi sila ilabot unta no but they have to be enjoined no according to the court of appeals but is this a correct decision no this positive portion of the court of appeals decision reads wherefore the petition is dismissed the sealed order orders dated July 28 2003 and January 19 2005 of the public respondent RTC branch 157 of Pasig City in civil case number 63400 are affirmed The Court of Appeals denied petition's motion for reconsideration in October 5, 2006 resolution. On November 24, 2006, petitioners filed a petition for review on May. So again, petitioners really wanted to fight for this. So in October 24, 2006, they filed a petition for review of May 11, 2006 Court of Appeal decision and October 5, 2006 Court of Appeals resolution. The issue in this case is whether petitioners should be made parties to the arbitration proceedings pursuant to the arbitration clause provided in the contract between BF Corporation and Shangri-La. So let's check kuno the uh, again, no, the arbitration clause. Provided always that in any case any dispute or difference shall arise from the owner of the project in behalf of the contractor either during the process or after the completion of the abandonment of the works as to the construction contract as to any matter thing or whatever nature there have in uh, in connection there with including any matter thing left by the contract to the discretion of the project manager withholding the project manager certificate the contractor may claim to be entitled to the measurement and evaluation and these conditions and rights liabilities of the parties under clause 25-26 the owner and the contractor hereby agree to exert all efforts to settle their difference in dispute and the word of arbitrators shall be final decision of arbitrators shall be condition precedent in the legal action so there's no uh, although parties was mentioned there but there's no clear stipulation of who will be the parties okay so that's uh, why now petitioners petitioners argue that they cannot be held personally liable so this is now their contention uh, they wanted to say uh, they cannot be held personally liable for corporate acts or obligations the corporation is a separate being And nothing justifies BF Corporation allegation that they are solidarily liable with Shangri-La. Neither did they bind themselves personally, nor did they undertake to shoulder Shangri-La's obligation shall it fall in its obligation. So BF Corporation also failed to establish fraud or bad faith in their part. Now, so they, he also failed. BF Corporation also failed to uh, provide evidence as to fraud or bad faith in their part. Petitioners also argue that there are third parties to the contract between BF Corporation and Shangri-La. Provisions, including arbitration and stipulation, should bind only the parties. Based on our arbitration laws, parties who are strangers to the agreement cannot be compelled to arbitrate. Petitioners point out that our arbitration laws are enacted to promote the autonomy of parties in resolving their disputes. Compelling them to submit to arbitration is against the purpose and may be tantamount to stipulating for the parties. Separate comments uh, on the petition verified uh, were filed by the corporation. No, Maximo uh, G. Licauco and Alfredo C. Ramos and Benjamin C. Ramos. 
Okay? So, Maximo G. Licauco III and Alfredo C. Ramos and Benjamin C. Ramos agreed with petitioners that Shangri-La's directors, being non-parties to the contract, should not be made personally liable for Shangri-La's act since the contract was executed by the BF Corporation and Shangri-La only. They should be affected by the contract stipulation. So, BF Corporation also failed to specifically allege the unlawful acts of the directors that should take them solidarily liable with Shangri-La and, uh, and its obligation. So, these are the uh, contentions no, of uh, this is the defense that they wanted to, to impart no, as to the petitioners which were the ones sued for collection of money. Meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, Meanwhile, in its comment, uh, BF Corporation argued that the court's ruling uh, that the party should undergo arbitration clearly contemplated the inclusion of the director's corporation. BF Corporation also argued that petitioners were not parties of the agreement. They were still impleted under Section 31 of the Corporation Code. Section 31 makes directors solidarily liable for fraud, gross negligence, and bad faith. Petitioners are not really third parties to the agreement because they are being sued as Shangri-La's representative under Section 31 of the Corporation Code. So B Corpor- uh, the BF Corporation further argued that because petitioners were impleted for their solidarity liability, they are necessary parties to the arbitration proceedings. Okay, so this is the argument of the BF Corporation who sued, no? Uh, first, the Shangri-La Corporation. Okay, so BF Corporation further argued that because petitioners were impleted for their solidarity liability, they are necessary parties to the arbitration proceedings. The full resolution of all disputes in the arbitration proceedings should also be done in the interest of justice. In the manifestation dated September 6, 2007, petitioners informed the court that the arbitral tribunal had already promulgated its decision. July 31, 2007, the arbitral tribunal denied BF Corporation's claims against them. And uh, petitioners stated that they were included by the arbitral tribunal in the proceedings conducted despite their continuing objection thereto. They also stated that their unwilling participation in the arbitration case was done ex abundante ad catuela as manifested therein in several occasions. So, what do you mean by ex, ex abundante and ex catuela? It was done ex abundante ex, ex ad catuela. Okay, so what do you mean by that? It is. Uh, it means out of abundance of caution, done solely for prime, uh, primarily to forestall some perceived risk. No? So that is uh, what you mean by ex abundante ad cautela. No? So uh, as manifested therein in several occasions, petitioners informed the court that they already manifested with uh, the trial court that any action taken on the arbitral tribunal decision should be without prejudice to the resolution of the case. Okay? 
Upon the court's order, the petitioners Shangri-La and the respective memoranda, petitioners Maximo G. Licauco and Alfredo C. Ramos and Benjamin C. Ramos reiterated their arguments that they should not be held liable for Shangri-La's default and made parties in the arbitration proceedings because only BF Corporation and Shangri-La were parties to the contract. In its memorandum, Shangri-La argued that petitioners were impleted for their solidary liability under Section 31 in the Corporation Code. Shangri-La added that their exclusion from the arbitration proceedings will result in multiplicity of suits such which is not favored in this jurisdiction. It pointed out, no, it pointed out that the case had already been mooted by the termination of the arbitration proceedings which petitioners actively participated in. However, no and moreover, the BF Corporation assailed only the correctness of the arbitral the arbitral tribunal award and not part of absolving the Shangri-La's director's liability. So, BF Corporation filed a counter-manifestation with motion to dismiss in lieu of the required memorandum. In its counter-manifestation, the BF Corporation pointed out that since petitioners' counterclaims were already dismissed with finality and the claims against them were likewise dismissed with finality, they, lo- they no longer have any interest or personality in the arbitration case. Thus, there is no longer any need to resolve the present petition, which mainly questions the inclusion of the petitioners in the arbitration proceedings. The court's decision in this case will no longer have an effect or, uh, on the issue of petitioners' inclusion in the arbitration proceedings. The petition must fall, uh, must fail. No, th- this is the uh, conclusion of the court, that the petition must fail. Okay, and let's try to find out why. The arbitral tribunal's decision absolving petitioners from liability and its binding effect in BF Corporation had rendered this uh, case moot and academic. Okay, so this is moot and academic already because the arbitral tribunal's decision absolving petitioners from liability and its binding effect on BF Corporation have rendered this case moot and academic. The mootness of the case, however, had not precluded us from resolving issues so that the principles may be established for the guidance of the bench, bar, and the public. In the La Camara versus Honorable Inage, this court disregarded the facts that the petitioner in that case already escaped from prison and ruled in the issue of excessive bails. While under the circumstances, while under the circumstances ruling on the merits and petition of certiorari is not warranted still, as set forth in the opening opinion, the fact that this case, this case is moot and academic should not preclude this tribunal from setting forth in language clear and unmistakable the obligation of fidelity on the part of lower court judges, lower court judges to, to the unequivocal command of the Constitution that excessive bail shall not be required. Okay? So, uh, even if it is moot and academic already, it should not preclude us from resolving issues so that the principles may be established in the guidance of the bench, bar, and public. So, they will try to resolve it even if it's moot and academic already so that uh, this court, will, uh, the, the bench, bar, and the public will be guided. So, the court cited this case. And the La Camara Honorable Enage, so this court disregarded the fact 
that the petitioner in that case already escaped from prison and rolled in the issue of excessive bills. Just for the sake of citation lang. While under the circumstances, a ruling in the merits of the petition for certiorari is not warranted still set forth the opening of his opinion, the fact that the case is moot and academic should not preclude this tribunal from setting forth language clear and unmistakable the obligation of fidelity in the part of lower court judges to unequivocal com- command that the Constitution shall that excessive bail is shall not be required. So this is just a, again a citation to to justify why they should rule on the issues here, despite the fact that it is already moot and academic. This principle was repeated in subsequent cases when this court deemed it proper to clarify important matters to offer guidance. Okay, sige. Thus, we rule that the petitioners may be compelled to submit to the arbitration proceedings in accordance with Shangri-La and BF Corporation's agreement in order to determine if the distinction between Shangri-La's personality and their personalities should be disregarded. This jurisdiction adopts a policy in favor of arbitration. Okay, so that's the doctrine here. They will rule in favor of arbitration. Arbitration allows the parties to avoid litigation. So that's the point. Arbitration allows parties to avoid litigation and settle this disputes amicably and more expeditiously, expeditiously for themselves and to their choice of arbitrators. judge, arbitrate. No? The policy in favor of arbitration has been affirmed by our civil code, which was approved as early as 1949. It was later institutionalized by the approval of Republic Act 876, which expressly authorized, made valid, enforceable, irrevocable parties' decision to submit their controversies, including incidental issues to arbitration. This court recognized this policy in Eastboard Navigation, LTD Ismael Company Incorporated. As corollary to the question regarding the existence of arbitration agreement, defendant raises the issue that even if be granted that it agreed to submit its dispute with plaintiff to arbitration, said agreement is void and without effect for it amounts to removing said dispute from the jurisdiction of the courts which parties are domiciled or where the dispute occurred. It is true that there are authorities which hold the cause in contract providing that all matters in dispute between parties shall be referred to the arbitrators and to them alone is contrary to public policy and cannot oust the courts of justice jurisdiction. Now that's Manila Electric Corporation versus Masai. However, there are authorities with which favor the more intelligent view that arbitration as an expensive, speedy, amicable method of settling dispute and as a means of avoiding litigation should receive a very receive every encouragement from the courts which may be extended without contravening sound public policy or settled law. Congress had officially adopted the modern view when it reproduced the new civil code provisions of the old code in the arbitration and only recently it approved Act Number 876 expressly authorizing arbitration in future disputes. In view of our policy to adopt arbitration as a matter of setting disputes, arbitration clauses are liberally construed in favor of arbitration. So we will liberally construe it in favor of arbitration. Thus, in LM Power Engineering Corporation versus Capital Industries Construction Groups Incorporated, this court said, being an inexpensive, speedy, and amicable method of setting disputes, arbitration along with mediation, conciliation, and negotiation 
is encouraged by the Supreme Court. Aside from unclogging judicial dockets, arbitration also hastens the hastens the resolution of disputes, especially of the commercial kind. It is thus regarded as the wave of the future in the international civil and commercial disputes. Brushing aside contractual agreement calling for arbitration between the parties could be a step backward. Consistent with the above-mentioned policy of encouraging alternative dispute resolution methods, courts should liberally construe arbitration clauses provided such clause is susceptible to an interpretation that covers the asserted dispute in order to arbitrate should be granted any doubt should be resolved <clears throat> in favor of arbitration so this is a very important doctrine here that we need to memorize <clears throat> and to put inside our heads that the court will always if there is a confusion as to the contract it will always rule in favor of arbitration a more clear-cut statement of the state policy to, to encourage arbitration and to favor interpretations that would render effective an arbitration clause was later expressed in Republic Act Number no. 9285. So what is written in our, um, Section 2 of <clears throat> RA9285, Declaration of Policy? <clears throat> it is hereby declared that the policy of the state to actively promote part, party autonomy in the resolution of disputes or the freedom of the party to take their own arrangements, resolve their disputes towards this end. The state shall encourage and actively promote the use of alternative dispute resolution as an important means to achieve speedy and impartial justice and declock the court dockets. As such, the state shall provide means for the use of ADR as an efficient tool and an alternative procedure for the resolution of appropriate cases. Likewise, the state shall enlist active private sector participation in the settlement of disputes through ADR. This act shall be without prejudice and to the adoption of the Supreme Court of any ADR system, such as mediation, consolation, arbitration, or any combination thereof, as a means of achieving speedy and efficient means of resolving cases pending before all courts of the Philippines, which shall be governed by such rules as the Supreme Court may approve from time to time. Section 25, Interpretation of the Act. In interpreting the act, the court shall have due regard to the policy of law in favor of arbitration. When action is commenced by or against multiple parties, one or more whom are parties are bound by the arbitration agreement. So this is a very important because this is very important because this applies to the case. Now I think there's a mention of parties here. Now, so it says in interpreting the act. The court shall have due regard to the policy of the law in favor of arbitration. When action is commenced by or against multiple parties, one of whom are parties who are bound to the arbitration agreement, although the civil action may continue, as to those who are not bound by such arbitration agreement. So, emphasis supplied. Thus, if there is an interpretation that would render effective an arbitration clause, for purposes of avoiding litigation and expediting the resolution of the dispute, the interpretation shall be adapted. Petitioner's main argument arises from... Let's look at who are these petitioners. So remember that the petitioners here are the former directors. No, They are the former directors. Uh, namely, Lanuza and Antonio Olbis. Okay, so looking at Lanuza's and Olbi's argument. No. Their main argument here arises from the separate personality given to juridical persons vis-a-vis their directors, officers, stockholders, and agents. 
So that, that is where it is rooted. Now, this is their main argument. And it is rooted from the fact that for them, it's a separate entity. Since they did not sign the arbitration agreement in any capacity, they cannot be forced to submit to the jurisdiction of the arbitration tribunal in accordance with the arbitration agreement. So that is the first input of the court. Okay, so let me repeat that. Since they did not sign the arbitration agreement in any capacity, they cannot be forced to submit to the jurisdiction of the arbitration tribunal in accordance with the arbitration agreement. Moreover, they had already resigned as directors of Shangri-La at the time of the alleged default. Indeed, as petitioners point out, their personalities as directors of Shangri-La are separate and distinct from Shangri-La. So, as a director and as a person is different. So, a corporation is an artificial entity created by fiction of law. Okay, so take note of that. This means it's by fiction of law. Let's try to memorize that. A corporation is an artificial entity created by fiction of law. Again, a corporation is an artificial entity created by fiction of law. So this means that while it is not a person, naturally, the law gives it distinct personality and treat it as such. A corporation in the legal sense is an individual with a personality distinct and separate from other persons including its stockholders, officers, directors, and representatives and other juridical entities. The law vests in corporation right powers and attributes as if they were natural persons with physical existence and capabilities to act on their own. For instance, they have the power to sue and enter into transactions or contracts. Section 36 of the Corporation Code enumerates some of the corporation powers. Thus, Section 36, Corporate Powers and cap- Capacity. Every corporation incorporated under this code has the power and capacity to sue and be sued in its corporate name of succession by its corporate name for the period of time in the Articles of Incorporation and Certificate of Incorporation to adopt and use a corporate seal to amend its Articles of Incorporation in accordance with the provisions of this code to adopt by laws not contrary to law, morals, or public policy and to amend or repeal the same in accordance with this code in case of stock corporation to issue sell stocks to subscribers and to sell treasury stocks in accordance with the provisions of this code and to admit members in the corporation if it be a non-stock corporation to provide purchase receive take grant hold survey sell lease pledge mortgage and otherwise deal with such real and personal property including securities and bonds of other corporations as a transaction the lawful business of the corporation may reasonably and necessarily require subject to the ob- limitations prescribed by law and the constitution to enter into merger or consolidation with other corporations as provided in this code, to make reasonable donations, including those of public welfare or of hospital, charitable, cultural, scientific, civic, etc., that no corporation, domestic or foreign, shall give donations in aid of any political party or candidate or for purposes of partisan political activity. Uh, stated here, ha? Huh? <laughs> Again, to make donations, including those for public welfare, provided that no corporation, domestic or foreign, shall give donations in aid of any political party or candidate or for purposes of partisan political activity. (laughs) Then to establish pension, retirement, and other plans for benefit of its directors, trustees, officers, and employees. 
to exercise such other powers as may be essential or necessary to carry out its purpose or purposes as stated in the Articles of Incorporation. Because a corporation's existence is only by fiction of law, it can exercise its rights and powers to its directors, officers, or agents who are all natural persons. A corporation cannot sue or enter into contracts without them. A consequence of the corporation's separate personality is that the consent of a corporation to its representatives is not consent of the representative personally. Its obligations incurred through official acts of its representatives are its own. Stockholder, director, representative does not become a party to contract just because a corporation executed a contract through the stockholder, director, or representative. Hence, a corporation's representatives are generally not bound by the terms of the contract executed by the corporation. They are personally liable. They are not personally liable for obligations and liabilities incurred in behalf of the corporation. Petitioners are also correct that arbitration promotes the party's autonomy in resolving their disputes. This court recognized in ears of Augusto Salas versus Lapera Realty Corporation that an arbitration clause shall not apply to persons who are neither parties to the contract nor assignees of previous parties. Thus, a submission to arbitration is a contract. As such, the agreement containing the stipulation or arbitration binds the parties thereto as well as their assigns and ears, but only they. Similarly, in Del Monte Corporation, USA versus Court of Appeals, the court ruled that the provision to submit an arbitration in any dispute arising therefrom and the relationship of the parties is part of that contract in itself a contract. As a rule, contracts are respected as the law between the contracting parties and produce effect as between them, their assigns and ears. Clearly, only parties to the agreement are bound to the agreement and its arbitration clause as they are the only signatories hereto. This court incorporated this ruling in Agan Jr. versus Philippine International Terminals Incorporated and Stanfilo Employees versus Dolly Philippines Incorporated 8 et al. As a general rule, therefore, as a general rule, a corporation's representative do not personally bind himself or herself to arbitration agreement, cannot be forced to participate in arbitration proceedings pursuant to an agreement entered by the corporation. He or she is generally not considered a party to that agreement. However, there are instances when the distinction between the personalities of the directors, officers, and representatives of the corporation are disregarded. We call this piercing the veil. We call this piercing the veil of corporate fiction. Piercing the corporate veil is warranted when now these are there are conditions. The separate personality of a corporation is used as a means to perpetrate fraud or illegal activity. So this is where uh, the piercing of the veil happens. No? It's warranted when it's used as a means to perpetrate fraud or illegal activity or as a vehicle of evasion of existing obligation, the circumvention of statutes or confused legitimate issues. It is also warranted in alter ego cases where a corporation is merely a farce. No? Uh, it's used as a farce to, since it's it's a mere alter ego or business conduit of person where the corporation is so organized and controlled and its affairs are so conducted as it merely an instrumentality conduct a conduit or unjust another corporation. So when corporate veil is pierced, the corporation of persons who are normally treated as distinct from one corporation as stated as another person such that the corporation is adjudged liable, these persons too become liable as if they were the corporation. 
So this happens, no? it's called piercing the corporate veil. Piercing the corporate veil. So let's take note of this. This is a very important uh, doctrine. It's called piercing the corporate veil. It's when the distinction between the personal identity of the person versus the corporation is severe and they are already considered one entity in such a sense that whatever the whatever the liability of the corporation will be the liability of the person himself this is this happens when there is a perpetration of fraud or illegal act or the corporation is used as a vehicle for evasion of existing obligation that's number 2 and there is a circumvision of statutes or to confuse legitimate issues and another is this is warranted in alter ego cases where a corporation is merely a farce no it's just merely used as a facade to a mere alter ego no or business or a conduit of a person or where the corporation is so organized and controlled in its affairs and so conducted to make it merely an instrumentality agency or conduit or adjunct to another corporation so uh, in that sense you are just using it as a as a means not to 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 provide more deceit to your bad intentions so among the persons who may be who may be treated you know, as the corporation itself under circumstances are its directors and officers Section 31 of the Corporation Code provides that instances when directors and trustees or officers may become liable in corporate acts. Section 31. Liability of directors, trustees, or officers. Directors or trustees are willfully and knowingly vote for assent to patently unlawful acts of the corporation or who are guilty of gross negligence or bad faith in directing the affairs of the corporation or acquire any personality or pecuniary interest in conflict with their duty as such directors as trustees shall be liable jointly and severally of all damages resulting therefrom suffered by the corporation its stockholders or its members and other persons <clears throat> when a director trustee or other uh, attempts to acquire or acquires in violation of this duty any interest adverse to the corporation in respect of any matter which have been reposed in him in confidence and to which equity imposes a disability upon him to deal with his own behalf he shall be liable as the trustee of the corporation and must account for the profits which otherwise would have accrued to the corporation So based on the above provision, a director, trustee, or officer of a corporation may be held solidarily liable with it for all damages suffered by the corporation, its stockholders or members, and other persons in any of the following cases. The director or trustee willfully and knowingly voted for or ascended, assented to a patently unlawful corporate act. The director or trustee was guilty of gross negligence or bad faith in directing the corporate affairs. The director or trustee acquired personal or pecuniary interest in conflict with his or her duties as director of the trustee. So these are the times we're in. Again, the uh, corporate veil is removed. And then solidary liability with the corporation will also attach in the following instances. When the director or officer has consented 
to the issuance of watered stocks or having knowledge thereof, did not forthwith file with the corporate secretary his written objection their objection there too. So you have you have to um, you know do your objection. When the director, trustee, or officer had uh, contractually agreed or stipulated to hold himself personally and solidarily liable with the corporation. So there's a contractual agreement, no? And then third is when the director, trustee, or officer is made by specific provision of law personally liable. So just like in labor code uh, provisions, that the director, trustee, or officer is made by specific provision of law personally liable for his corporate action. When there are allegations of bad faith or malice against corporate directors or representatives, it becomes the duty of the court or tribunals to determine if these person and the corporation should be treated as one. Without trial, courts and tribunals have no basis for deter- determining whether the veil or corporate fiction should be pierced. Courts or tribunals do not have such prior knowledge. Thus, the courts and tribunals must first determine whether circumstances exist towards uh, the 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 courts or tribunals to disregard the distinction between the corporation and the persons representing it the determination of these circumstances must be made by one tribunal or court in a proceeding participated by all parties involved including current representatives of the corporation and those person whose personalities are impliedly the same as the corporation this is because when the court or tribunal finds the circumstances exist warranting the piercing of the corporate veil you know, so this is the term piercing of the corporate veil the corporate representatives are treated as corporation itself and shall be held liable for corporate acts the corporation distinct personality is disregarded and the corporation is seen as a mere aggregation of persons undertaking the business under the collective name of the corporation hence when directors in this case are impeded in a case against a corruption alleging malice or bad faith in their part in directing the affairs of the corporation. Complaints are effectively alleging that the directors and the corporation are not, not acting as separate entities. They are already one no, in this case because it's one it falls under the exceptions. They are alleging the acts or emissions by the corporation that violated their rights are also the directors' acts or emissions. They are alleging that contracts executed by the corporation are contracts executed by the directors. The complainants effectively pray that the corporate veil disappears because the cause of action between the corporation and the directors are the same. In that case, complainants have no choice but to institute only one proceeding against the parties. Under rules of the court, filing of multiple suits of single cause of action is prohibited. Institution of more than one suit for the same cause of action constitutes splitting the cause of action, which is ground for the dismissal of the of the others thus in rule 2 no one suit for a single cause of action a party may institute more than one suit for a single cause of action splitting a single cause of action effect if two or more suits are instituted as a basis of the same cause of action the filing of one or a judgment upon the merits in any one is available as the ground for dismissal of the others it is because the personalities of the petitioners and the corporation may later be found to be indistinct that we rule that the petitioners may be compelled to submit to arbitration. However, in ruling that the petitioners may have compelled to submit to arbitration proceedings, we are not overturning the ears of Augusto Salas wherein the court affirmed the basic arbitration principle that only parties to an arbitration agreement 
may be compelled to submit to arbitration. In that case, this court recognized that the that persons other than the main party may be compelled to submit to arbitration like assignees and ears, and assignees and ears may be considered as parties to an arbitration entered into by their assigner because the assigner's rights and obligations are transferred to them upon assignment. In other words, the assigner's rights and obligations become their own rights. In same way, the corporation's obligations are treated as the representative obligations when the corporate veil is pierced. Moreover, in the ears of Augusto Salas, this court confirmed its policy against multiplicity of suits and unnecessary delay. This court said that to split the proceeding into arbitration for some parties and trial for other parties would result in multiplicity of suits, duplicitous and procedure and unnecessary delay. This court also intimidate, uh, intimated that the interest of justice would be best served if it is adjudicated if it adjudicated rights in a single proceeding. While the facts of that case prompted this court to direct the trial court to proceed to determine the issues of that case, it did not prohibit courts from allowing the case to proceed to arbitration when circumstances warrant. Hence, the issue of whether the corporations acts in violation of the complainant's rights and the incidental issue of whether piercing the corporate veil is warranted should be determined in a single proceeding. Such finding would determine if the corporation is merely an aggregation of the person whose liabilities must be treated as one of the corporation. However, when the courts disregard the corporation's distinct and separate personality from its directors or officers, the courts do not say that the corporation in all instances and for all purposes is the same as the directors, stockholders, officers, and agents. Is then It does not result in and an absolute confusion of personalities of the corporation and the persons composing or representing it. Courts merely discount the distinction and treat them as one in relation to the specific act in order to extend the terms of the contract and the liabilities for all damages to earring corporate officials who participated in the corporation's illegal acts. This is done so that the legal fiction cannot be used to perpetrate illegalities and injustices. Thus, in cases alleging solidary liability with the corporation or praying for the piercing of the corporate veil, parties who are normally treated as distinct individuals should be made to participate in arbitration proceedings in order to determine if such distinction should indeed be disregarded, if so, to determine the extent of their liabilities. In this case, the arbitral tribunal rendered a decision finding that BF Corporation failed to prove the existence of circumstances that render petitioners and other directors solidarily liable. No? So that's the decision of the uh, tribunal already. It ruled that petitioners and Shangri-La and other directors are not liable for contractual obligations of Shangri-La to BF Corporation. The arbitral tribunal's decision was made with the participation of the petitioners, albeit with their continuing objection. In view of our discussion above, we rule that petitioners are bound by such decision. Wherefore, the petition is denied. The Court of Appeals May 11 decision, resolution of October 5, 2006, are hereby affirmed. So, this is the decision of the court. It tells us that um, the, the arbitral tribunal had already ruled that they have no, they have no, um, uh, the petitioners here are not liable for contractual obligations of, no, since um, they 
uh, there was no piercing of the corporate veil, which happens only in very specific circumstances enumerated. No, just to reiterate, that includes if the person has committed fraud or illegal act, or it uses the company as a veil or a vehicle for evasion of existing obligation, and other acts no, that will definitely pierce through the corporate veil, making the distinction between the personal the personality of the person and the juridical entity which is a legal fiction severe and so they will be treated as one and the liability will be solidary among both directors or leaders of the corporation so again this is a case decided by associate justice Marivek Leonen and this is a case of Gerardo Lanuza versus Antonio O. Olbes versus BF Corporation and Shangri-La Properties Incorporated. Alfredo Ramos Rufo Colaico and Maximo G. Licauco and Benjamin C. Ramos, GR number 174-938, October 1, 2014.